From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Emily Arnson. This is your news for Thursday, September 7th. Federal approval for the Uinta Basin Railway was recently revoked, sending planners back to the drawing board. The proposed 88-mile railway is intended to connect oil fields in eastern Utah to a larger network of railways. This would include the Union Pacific Line, which runs along Interstate 70 through Grant County. With this new route, oil producers were hoping to transport an additional 350,000 gallons of waxy crude oil out of the Uinta Basin daily. The U.S. Court of Appeals recently found that an environmental analysis of the project was not up to federal standards. The court sided with environmental activists in Eagle County, Colorado, which had filed a lawsuit to challenge the project. This is Dita Seed, a campaigner with the Center for Biological Diversity. We've built a coalition that includes people from Colorado who are deeply concerned about the potential derailment of oil trains along the Colorado River corridor, uh, which is a water source for 40 million people. Federal regulators estimate that derailments and oil spills would happen once every five years. These trains would travel for over 100 miles along the Colorado River, sometimes just a few feet away from the river. The public harm, in our view, far outweighs any benefit. The benefit of the railway is, is really bestowed upon the the oil producers in the basin. Nathaniel Hunt, an attorney representing Eagle County, argues that communities along the transportation corridor only stand to lose if this project goes through. There is no apparent benefit to Colorado to send 20 miles of trains each day carrying millions of gallons of oil along the Colorado River. The final destination of these trains would be refineries in the Gulf of Mexico. We have allies, for example, in Port Arthur, Texas, which is one location that they're looking at to ship this oil to. And those people in Port Arthur are struggling already with all sorts of horrible health consequences based on the number of refineries in their community and the pollution that's being generated from fossil fuels. The project is spearheaded by the Seven County Infrastructure Coalition of Utah. Duchesne, Carbon, and Uinta counties are the main supporters of this project. Greg Miles is a Duchesne County commissioner and co-chair of the Seven County Coalition. He thinks the court decision was unfairly harsh. So are they saying that the environmental impacts of every product need to be looked at downstream? You take toilet paper that's manufactured in the Northwest. Do we have to worry about what the turpentine does in septic systems in Georgia? And I think it's unfair to ask that of this project. He also says the project has received extra pushback since the oil spill in Ohio earlier this year displaced thousands of people. But he says these aren't fair comparisons, since the oil coming out of the Uinta Basin would be different than the oil spilled in Ohio. Waxy crude oil is solid at room temperature. It's basically the consistency of candle wax. If we did have a car overturn, what comes out of that car, we're going to pick up with a shovel. Miles says the railway would be a major boon to Duchesne County, as well as the state as a whole. For the state of Utah, we're talking tens of millions of dollars a year in severance tax. Supporters of the railway also argue that as long as the United States continues to use fossil fuels, the country is better off using fossil fuels that are produced domestically. The United States is still using 19 million barrels a day. That's how we transport people in this country. And and what better way to do it than than someone who follows EPA regulations like the United States have producing that oil 
versus outsourcing it to countries that don't have as good of a, an environmental track record. The project has been in the works now for over four years. Some argue it's similar to other drawn-out proposals that are common in Utah, like speculative mining claims. With speculative mining claims, companies will say that they're going to open a mine, which brings in investor money, but those mines often never come to fruition, and instead, the companies pay themselves as contractors of the project with that investor money. There's a whole group of people who are making a living right now off of the speculative nature of this project. Attorneys and engineers and the Seven County Infrastructure Coalition. Right now, they're funded primarily by money from the Community Impact Board. The Community Impact Fund is a state fund that gives low-interest loans to communities where mineral extraction takes place. The money is supposed to make up for the fact that these communities can't collect taxes on minerals extracted from federal land. The problem is that the railway project sucked the coffers of the community impact board dry, so they're actually struggling right now to be able to provide grants and loans to communities. Miles says the Seven County Infrastructure Coalition plans to keep moving forward with the project, which will most likely require updating the environmental impact statement and reapplying for federal approval. More information about the Uinta Basin Railway can be found in today's show notes. The Telluride Mushroom Fest is a long-standing celebration of all things mycology. Following the recent decriminalization of psilocybin in Colorado, the festival opened up the conversation around psychedelic mushrooms and their healing powers. This year, the festival introduced its first-ever integration space to offer support and discussion for psychedelic users. KOTO's Gavin McGough stopped by and brings us this report. Yeah. So how does this work? Yeah. What are you guys doing? Yeah. What is yeah. going on? Totally. This is integration <laughs> space. This is Becca. I'm just out back of what might be Telluride's first ever integration space. It's the first day of the Telluride Mushroom Festival and still morning. This back porch and the back room of an art gallery on Main Street have become a shady and calming respite for practicing integration. And what exactly does that entail? So the, the space came about by somebody bringing it to my radar that we've never done anything like this. And with the decriminalization of psilocybin and other plant ethnogens in Colorado, we felt like it was something that Telluride Mushroom Festival really, really needs to have. That's Rebecca Roberts, who works with Mushroom Fest and helped organize the space. When Colorado voters passed Proposition 122 last fall, they decriminalized psychedelic mushrooms and opened a pathway in the state for the medicinal use of psilocybin, the psychoactive ingredient in many mushrooms. Joe Young is a social worker based in Durango who specializes in psychedelic integration work. The use of psychedelics, she says, It can push us into different realities or different spaces that we haven't been into before. In that space, we can have realizations, we can have more understanding of our life or our connection with nature. And I believe it's really hard to come back into reality of what your day-to-day life looks like. As more people turn to psychedelics, the integration space provides a safe place, an atmosphere of support and discussion, or just quiet, 
although this is the first designated integration space which the festival has offered, Robert says discussion of psychedelics has long been one aspect of this festival's culture. Um, the beginning days of the festival were centered around being able to talk about not just psilocybin mushrooms, but also other plant ethnogens. It was really science-based, and people would, would, would come in from both the West and the East Coast to, to, to gather, and the talks about psilocybin and plant ethnogens were happening really underground, because in those days, society just culturally wasn't okay with plant ethnogens. The time which Robert speaks of was the early 1980s when the festival was founded and the U.S. was embroiled in the war on drugs, which criminalized the recreational, medicinal, and even scientific use of a whole collection of substances. As the legal outlook for psychedelics is slowly and gradually reopening, there's been a new crop of science which looks into the promising possibilities of using psychedelic substances in mental health care, well-being, and exploration. Of the current moment, says Young. It's a resurgence. It's, not, it's a remembrance, not a new thing. Um, and so, yeah, the, the resurgence speaks to us starting to let in um, all of the research that, that can be done and needs to be done in this space. Roberts adds this is a particularly exciting year for the Mushroom Festival. People who, who normally might not have been comfortable having their say in the conversation because they were worried that where the law stands are now able to openly speak about their experiences with psychedelics. And Young's experience warming up to these conversations takes time. Reflecting back on the integration space, she says many communities those in other countries or amongst indigenous peoples have a long history of using psychedelics. It's an accepted part of life. They can talk to their family members about it. They can talk to their community wherever they're going. Whereas here, it is pretty um, stigmatized still. Even though we have voted it in and decriminalized it, um, we need these spaces that are safe and non-judgmental in nature to really express what's happening in those experiences. All are welcome. As Young and Robert stress, anyone who might want to chat about these topics should stop by and say hello. This is Gavin McGough. And that's the KZMU News for Thursday, September 7th. Get your community-powered journalism weekdays on the airwaves at noon and 6 p.m. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.